Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 414. Uh, I just got back from the Breaking slash Talking Bad finales. And I won't say anything. I promise I won't say anything. Especially, you know, because you may not have seen it yet. You should have, but maybe you didn't. But um, all I will say is... Spoiler alert, RJ has breakfast. <laughs> Shut up, he does not have breakfast. He does not have breakfast. She's not spoiling anything. Always I mean, yes, I know. Okay, so in our hearts, he'll Spoiler always... Spoiler alert, he stops having breakfast. <laughs> he doesn't stop having Twist. breakfast. I don't... There's no... Go back to your dress. <laughs> I, I will. Okay. There's no... Listen, don't listen to Skydart. She's editing a video. She's very loopy. And she doesn't even know what she's saying at this Maybe point. Maybe should have had breakfast. Are you on meth? Are you on meth? Breakfast meth. Oh, my God. Meth is not just for breakfast anymore. No. That is a common mistake. It's an any time of day snack now. Yeah. But uh, if you did watch Talking Bad, thank you so much. And I hope that uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that uh, I didn't sully the Breaking Bad experience for you. It was an honor to do it. And tonally, it was a lot different for me than Talking Dead. And, and even to be tangentially um, uh, associated with Breaking Bad was a tremendous honor. So thanks if you watched it. And now uh, two weeks until Talking Dead and Walking Dead. And then uh, October 21st uh, at midnight on Comedy Central. So that's where I'll be next on the Teleovision. Um, that's the thing that looks like the internet, but it's bigger and you don't have control over it. Um, I would like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, Stamps.com is, I mean, I blab about this all the time because I want you guys to lead happy, fulfilling lives, not having to do menial tasks like go to the post office. So stamps.com will help you print out the exact postage that you need. They will send you a digital scale, which will calculate the exact, exact postage that you need. Uh, and then you can just slap it on the package or letter or whatever the parcel or mail piece is. And then your mail carrier will pick it up. And you should thank them. You will never waste time going to the post office again. You're not going to waste money uh, either leasing an expensive postage meter or waste money on stamps postage that you're not going to use. Right now and always, there is a promo code NERDIST. Remember it. You probably do, unless you skip over this part, which I hope you don't. Uh, it's a no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale to $55 of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. That's stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Do not mail meth to people. Do not mail meth to people. This episode of the podcast is Mike Massimino, who is... A friggin' astronaut and an engineer, and he's been to space. He repaired the Hubble telescope. 
I mean, Mike seems like a regular guy, but the fact is he is not a regular guy. He is an exceptionally smart individual who happens to just be relatable and fun, which is probably why you may have heard him on uh, a number of episodes of Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson, another guy who's incredibly smart but completely relatable. So I would, uh, I would put Mike Massimino into that bin were I to categorize him. And uh, we had an absolute blast. And I uh, blast, rocket, blast, off. Huh, Chloe? What? Rocket blast? Yeah, yeah, rocket blast. I'm oh, editing. go back to your meth jokes. Then <laughs> <laughs> there's podcast number 414 with Mike Massimino. Mike Massimino? Not Mike Methamino, Mike I'm Massimino. Sorry. I got excited. He understands mathematics. You understand mathematics. I'm glad you added that in. Shut up. <laughs> no, I just said it. Really? That's, I love that you paused. For like a minute, you're like, hold on, I gotta add this to the intro. It was worth it. Is it really? No. No. Now entering Nerdist.com. about at the uh, tweet up for the last shuttle launch uh mike got to uh, do a q a with elmo <laughs> but it's kind of, we're talking to the guy you know you because you're, you're talking to the puppet right little elmo's there very cute you know yeah, of course. And, you know but and you can hear kind of on the loudspeaker sort of but you also can the guy's close enough to the puppet that you can also his hear his <laughs> hear his voice right so it was kind of strange because i can hear his voice coming from the side and it's so after a while, I stopped looking at. It. I said, no one's going to know what I'm really looking at. Yeah. I can, look, you know, change my gauge a few yeah. inches. My gaze a few inches. So I stopped looking at Elmo. Everyone just looked at the guy. <laughs> I'm just talking to the dude. You know, the dude's up there, and he's. I don't know. Sometimes he looked at me, and I was like, well, you know, those are not like tracking my eye movements. They're not going to know. <laughs> so I stopped looking at the puppet, and I talked to the guy. So <laughs> it's not amazing. a puppet. It's a person. <laughs> oh my gosh! Should the kids listen to this? Oh, you ruined kids, it for away. me. No, you ruined it for me. Oh, Mike. Kids, it was Elmo's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy that ruined Elmo. Uh, it's good to see you, Mike. What Likewise. do you? So what do you? So you're in town promoting something because you're doing a crazy junket day. Gravity. Yeah. Oh, you're promoting Gravity. gravity. Yeah. Were you were consul- were you a consultant on Gravity? No, he no. Wasn't. we already covered this, Chris. No, I wasn't. I was not a consultant yeah, I'm sorry, I'm on it. Late to the party. But I would like to think that George Clooney uh, based his performance on uh, on my personality. This is what Massimino would have done. <laughs> and I'm trying to get I'm trying to get that message to Does my wife. To, she doesn't believe me. Are there strip bolts in the movie? He's got to rip a panel off. No, no, there's not. Well, they have some other issues. <laughs> We had a fair on our, you know, my worst day in space would have been a would have been a real easy day for these poor people. They uh, they have a tough day. Up what there. was your worst day in space? My worst day in space. Well, I don't. I never really had a bad day in space, Chris. But we had problems to figure out. Sure. Uh, Hubble problems. Nothing, it's 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 going to seem meaningless compared to what you'll see on the screen. Yes, we had problems with, with Hubble, where it had a uh, a handrail in a way that yeah. I had to rip off. You had to rip it, it apart took, the Hubble. I had to in rip space. it apart because we had to get behind this handrail to do a repair and. There was no other way to do it, and we didn't figure that out for about an hour and a half. The most simple solution. It's pretty amazing. I, no, I understand that you have a lot of training. Uh, yes. How do you not shit your spacesuit when you're just hovering above the Earth? Well, there's and, something to catch the. Sh- no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. 
<laughs> How are you? I mean, to me, there's a, there's a big incentive not to do that. <laughs> no, yes, of course, of course. It's not like, oh, I wish I could go and do, no. But I really do believe that, uh, and and like I, I I think you know that there are a lot of different ways that you can categorize people. But one way is spacewalker, like people that will go into space and people that would not go into space. I, uh, I, 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 I think I would be almost a little too claustrophobic to be able to handle just being sort mm-hmm. of isolated. Yeah. And kind well, of don't worry, you'll figure that out on the ground. <laughs> well, throw no, you in the pool in Houston, you'll have a good time. No one's gonna, no one's gonna send me into space. <laughs> it's, it's like watching the right stuff when they're doing the when they're doing the trials, and yeah. like the one guy's freaking out because he's in isolation and oh, Dennis yeah. Wade's just reading the, the third hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 My, one of my fr- my favorite movie. It's a fu- it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, so what? I mean, did, did you? Was, did you have to train to be able to handle isolation? The idea of bowel like, movements, bowel movements, yeah. but the idea of, of of a human being just like almost the existential crisis of I am, I am I am above the place where I am I live and like I'm existing outside of my normal uh, habitat. Right. That's not is that is that mind bendy or were you, are you just naturally well, kind you, of a low key cool guy? I, you know I I I, I don't like heights. For example, I don't like looking over the you know the balcony yeah. from a few floors. I don't like that. I don't. I don't get it. But up in space, it's so cool. So the, constantly the view... falling at seventeen thousand miles an hour, not a problem. No, because uh, <laughs> I don't, and you know it, it's just that the view when you see the planet from up there, it's you don't feel like you're really yeah. hovering over it. Even in an air, I mean, I'm fine in airplanes too and all that. But but it's uh, it's it's just an incredible experience. That all that other crap, all you worry, you just kind of get stomped on by. Holy cow! What am I looking at? Do you and that that just that pure uh, ecstasy of seeing that stuff? It just rules out any other fear. So that there I, there that is the concept had. of space euphoria. Yes, where you go out there and you don't want. There come is back. a concept. Did you just make it up? No, no, no. It's I a, think you just a, made it up. It's it's a, it's psychological studies. They've done. Oh, this. Okay, and that's what that was. What happened with Ed White? He didn't want to come back in on the first oh. on the first uh, in Gemini Spacewalk? when he got out. Uh huh. It took him. They asked him to come in, and it took them 20 minutes to get him to come in to Gemini. Because there's just this experience of, like, like you can hear it, too, on the tapes. He says, I feel like a million bucks. And he's out there, and he just didn't want to come in. And then when he's getting in, he says, this is the saddest moment of my life. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, they gave him the treatment, and they took it away. (laughs) That's the problem. I mean, it is is pretty interesting to think that there are only a handful of people out of billions— that will ever really have what you have in your brain that will ev- yeah. will only ever have the actual view right. you know not a satellite image or but actually yeah. have that view and that experience of being up there and right. looking down i it's, mean we're very at, lo- at least, very lucky at least until privatized space travel yeah, yeah, and until, are, yeah wait around a couple months and then it'll be but a diamond for dozen. now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty incredible no i'm very very lucky and and to get to spacewalk and see it so you're not looking through a window you're looking through the visor and you can see the earth in its entirety from the Altitude of Hubble. Hubble's at 350, 350 miles, so 100 miles higher than the station. So we get a bigger view of the planet. We can see the curvature. We see it as a gigantic yeah. planet. In our, you know, it takes up our field of view, but we get that perspective. And, yeah, and we're v- are very, very fortunate to have gotten a chance to see it. It's crazy. And you, know, you want to be more grateful that you've seen it than I can't see it. No. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I see it again. You know, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I, was, I was happy to come inside and a little bit sad that I 
can't couldn't see it, but very very happy that I had a chance to experience that. Well, you know, Matt is. I, I don't know if there's a bigger NASA nerd than Matt Myra. Yeah, right really, there. right here, yeah, Matt. I'm right up there. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. Who's your favorite Apollo era astronaut? Let's figure this out. I oh, gee, I really I've gotten a chance to meet a lot of them. You yeah, know, when I was there's little, only one answer to this. I'm just Neil? gonna figure out. No. Okay. Well, my favorite. I guess I know him the best is Alan Bean. I've oh, become friends with Alan guy. Bean. So he lives in Houston, and, and uh, we've become friends. He, he's a Do you terrific have any of his guy. Painters? His, his paintings, paintings now. No. I can't afford any of his paintings. <laughs> but I did fly. I flew for him one of his paintings. It kind of reminds me of the thing you got hanging on your wall yeah, with yeah. Your three buddies there. He has something called he calls fantasy, where it's he and uh, Pete Conrad were on a moon together, and their good friend. Jeez, uh, what's it was? Uh, I think it was. P, uh, Dick Gordon was mm-hmm. the was the pilot who didn't get to go on the moon with them, right? But they were really tight. They were three good friends, and so he painted the three of them on the moon together, and that was his uh-huh. wish that the three of them could be together. So I really liked that concept. And uh, and w- before I flew my my uh, my most recent flight, I went to visit Alan. I said I want to I want to take something for you, and he, and I said I can you know put something in my in my my notebook for you. That I, and, and he said, well, uh, you wanted to you know wanted to, uh, he would like that. That image, that was the one I had in mind. So, so I took a printout of that, and, and uh, it was just a printout, oh, not a, not a real, not a yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's too thing. big. But he's a cool dude. Alan's yeah. a great guy, and uh, but I've got a, been very lucky to meet Neil Armstrong yeah. and Jim Lovell and Pete Conrad, Charlie Mike Duke. Collins. You ever meet Mike? I met Collins? Mike Collins. Yeah, uh, he's I my like, favorite. He was my favorite when I was a little boy because he had the same first name as me. Oh, uh, okay. So that that was my rationale back then. But they're all really cool dudes, all of them. They are. What do you like? Why, why do you like Mike Collins? The because most? whenever you see him interviewed, he just seems the most normal. Like he's like, meh, we went up. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very he's very blasé. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's just yeah. like, yeah. you know, people ask, hey, how'd you feel being the furthest away from. All of humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was had to be had to be somewhere. Yeah. I mean, someone had to be up there. <laughs> someone had to catch him. I will yeah. always be fascinated by that kind of a brain, where someone could just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. I the ultimate, the ultimate yeah. cool fighter test pilot. Guy. Yeah, it's some yeah. of the it's the military training you get a thing. <laughs> and then the, my, my other favorite would be John Young. I think John Young was a cool guy. He yeah. flew. I got yeah. everything. I, I I knew I was going to leave out somebody. Not that yeah. they. Would really care what I thought, but yeah, they've been to the but moon. But John Young, yeah, John was a. But I got to know him very well because he was still an active astronaut when I joined in 1996. It's insane. He was in his 60s. He was still flying a T-38. So he was my boyhood hero, and now I'm working with him. And he was a front seat pilot. So the T-38, yeah. our jet, our training jet, was a front and back airplane. And I said, you know, anytime you need someone to go with you somewhere, let me know. And he, he and I, he was like, okay. And he would let me know. So I got to fly to the Cape, you know, Cape Canaveral yeah, with sure. him. And to, to California with him and ask him questions. You ever drive on John Young Parkway with him in Florida? No, I've never <laughs> done that. I've driven by. I've driven by John Young Parkway, but he's yeah, he's a he's a cool guy. So he's you, a great guy. You started at Johnson Space Center, right? I you did. Yeah, that's where we trained. That's the, it. The uh, I've I've been to Johnson Space Center, but I didn't. I I failed. You to visited. Take... You didn't tell me. Well, this was ages I this, ago. I get this crap from my relative. You were here and you didn't tell me. That's this, why this was like right. this was like seven years ago. All right, okay. This was now before. You would, this was before. Now you would tell me. I would yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. now I would absolutely tell right, you if on. I want to go down there because what, we we didn't. I didn't actually have time to take the tour of the grounds. We just saw the main. Like you just go in, yeah. and it's really a lot of it's like there's the you know a like a cross section of the shuttle. Yeah. Um. But uh. But a lot of it really is sort of like a jungle gym. It but, is. A playground. Yeah, it's sort of a playground. playground. I was like, oh man, uh, you know, 
I, I thought there was going to be you know some spacier things there. And they said, well, you have to take the tour of the grounds. You have uh, to see the launch yeah. pad, and you have to see the. You have to see everything. Yeah, I've never been. So, uh, but it's it's cool. I really well. We'll go. Like, we'll, I'm sure we'll play Houston sometime. And yeah, we'll, you should. We'll, we'll yeah. go down there. Sounds Let me know. Me. Yeah, I would if you want. Do you we get a special to. special snazzy tour? You betcha. Oh. I'll take care of you. How tall are you? That's my question. I'm six foot three. Are you like the tallest astronaut? There's uh, one guy. My my uh, my buddy, good friend, Commander uh, uh, Scott Altman. Is a little bit taller than I am, but oh. six foot four is the limit. So they're not going to be any uh, much bigger than him. See, oh, yeah. they, they're usually tiny. You have guys. to cram into it, yeah, because yeah. you have to cram into you a tiny a small, Yeah, you got to get into small, small, small spaces. So yeah, that's where they they cut the limit off. But before that, the Apollo guys and the original astronauts yeah. were shorter based on the size of the capsule they were flying in. Yeah, based on their spacecraft size. So the shuttle opened up the window uh, to to larger and smaller people. It, it opened the, the envelope up. Not me. Why not? That's me over there, fat astronaut right there. That's you. <laughs> yeah, but you can, you know, we just you get you whipped into shape. Just you know, uh, what's the weight limit? That's that. my question. I think I have. I think for the. Uh, I don't really know if there was with the shuttle. With uh, I think the weight limit's like two hundred and twelve for the uh, for the Soyuz, though. All right, I can do that. I think. You think you can do two twelve? Yeah, it's like get down seventy more pounds, sixty more pounds. I can do that. Yeah, it'd be yeah. good for you. Yeah. Just don't lose your personality. Get oh, down to I your Soyuz weight. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> put, put, the, put the line on the scale. Isn't that terrifying, Soyuz. though, that like that's what we're using now, the, the Apollo-era <laughs> Russian version? As the Soyuz. Before, actually. It's been upgraded a few times, but it's been around a long time. Ugh. Have you been to Star City? It works. I have not. I'm like, my both of my flights were to the Hubble Space Telescope. Yeah. So I have never right, been. I have never been there. I'm, I think I'm like the only astronaut that has never been there. We should go sometime, there. man. You. I'll go. We'll Let's go. go. I want to go to Star City. I can't promise a good tour there. I don't, <laughs> I'm not there, but I'm sure we can arrange something. So what? Uh, uh, I've seen you. Uh, well, I saw you on Star Talk when the video version, like when okay. Neil did Star Talk, and, yeah. her, and her and heard you on Star Talk too. And uh, and you're, you know, it's. I don't know. You have a real kind of like nat, like a I'm a kind of a regular guy vibe to you. But coming from you, I'm very flattered. No, no, but seriously, because you, because you, like, you know, if if I just met you at a party, I go, that guy's really nice. What does he do? He's an astronaut, an engineer, a pilot. Like, oh my god, really? That's why Mike is my favorite shuttle era astronaut. That's true. You are really, yeah. You're making again, in interviews, can I, I find I'm, you not, I'm the, the only guy you know. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Last year, uh, you stopped by my birthday. Party. Oh, it's the best! So much fun! That's <laughs> great. You stopped by my birthday party. Were you there, Matt? No, no. it was fantastic. All right, that's another story. And so I that said, was a blast. I what said, a party! Yeah, I sent oh, Matt fuck. a picture because uh, you, you, uh, Bobak came and you, yeah, and you yeah, came Bob, and, yeah. and uh, and so I sent Matt a picture because you, you were out of town. No, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Where the were worst you? reason to miss meeting Mike of all time. I had hosted Attack of the Show that day. Uh, on G4. And we decided to microwave beef. <laughs> oh, you were sick. You had you were you had food poisoning. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I do too. And so I had to sit I That's sent you a bad. I sent it was my wanna... idea too. I sent you might you ate microwaved beef. We microwaved it during the commercial break. There was this very funny internet video with this weird guy on a college cable station. That was uh, he did recipes with a microwave. Wow! So he showed you how to make some there killer some killer nachos. Oh. So I decided. Oh no! Oh, so they were really not nachos. Yeah. Oh, for crying out loud, man! <laughs> so you were that violently ill. I remember this now. And I yeah. sent you a picture of of Mike, and you were like, 
no! Like, he was so heartbroken because you so were just bummed. in town for like a day. It yeah, so it was bummed. it was a real. But that that kind of uh, episode could help you get down a Soyuz weight. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> the only silver lining on the that microwave one, that. beef diet. I'm down thirty yeah. since July. I can do it. You're give doing. Me, you look good, man. Six more months. You look good. Soyuz. We're gonna do it. You All look right. good. We're gonna get on Soyuz. Soyuz but anyway, weight. that pr- that proves that Matt that Matt Matt wow, is an enormous fan of yours, and, wow. and he was heartbroken so, that he couldn't come to that party. I got to meet Winnie Cooper at that. Yes, Danica was. <laughs> I was, I was, I was That's afraid. You come away with. I was afraid Danica. my life was over at that point because know, I was like, "There's really nothing else to live for." What was so? And much, she was so sweet. What a great, what a great best. person. And what's ama- what was Holy am- amazing about that party? And I'm sorry to get name droppy, but it's it's relevant to the conversation. Is that was watching all these people nerd out and fan out on other people like so you said you met when you met Winnie Cooper Danica freaked out about meeting Bill Nye really yeah Bill Nye freaked out about meeting I think Nathan Fillion like it was just like the chain of each person and watching him go Oh my God! You're right. so and so, and that person walking over to someone else and going, "Oh my God, you're so like it was yeah. such a it was such well, a fun." This November, I will not be microwaving anything <laughs> before your birthday. Well, we don't know if Mike's going to be back in town in November. You'll f- probably be like, "Oh, it- you missed it." Mike Collins came out of retirement to come to my party. <laughs> he came out of. Why does he have to John be out of retirement Young. to go to a party? <laughs> I don't know. It's a long way. He lives in Florida, uh, Cape Cod. So get, getting on a plane at this point uh, is like is coming out of retirement. You you pop back to Fort Los Angeles a lot, right? I do. From yeah, as, as I like coming here. It's you know usually, what? It's usually for fun and games. You are on this podcast because I saw you on Twitter saying you were doing press for gravity. And really? I, I, I I'm, I'm, texted I'm happy about Booker. And a I lot said, of times people, you know, they give me, I get grief when I Twitter them somewhere. They're like, why didn't you come visit? Why didn't you call? So I'm glad, I'm glad it, it worked happen. out. But no, it's it's fun coming out here and it's, it's there's a lot of media attention here promoting the movie uh, Gravity. I don't know if we're really promoting it, but we're trying to represent NASA and spread sure. the word. And this is a great place to do it. So is it? So do you feel like it's uh, is NASA kind of going through a phase where they're like, well, you know, we're we've taken some hits in the press because of funding for the space program, so we kind of need to keep our, you know get our name out there and show that we're still active and show that we're still pro- doing. Well, I, doing I stuff? think I think they want to show people that yeah they're they're still alive. You know, we don't have the uh, the shuttle program any longer, and then NASA was identified with that. But you know, mentioned Bobak. You know, we've got the the Mars rover going strong. Yeah, and we've got people going to the space station. You know, my, uh, we just got Chris Cassidy back, mm-hmm. and we've got uh, Mike Hopkins is going to be going. Uh, we launched from from Russia, yeah, from Kazakhstan. Uh, so it's a it's a different experience. But you know, they're still going up. To, it's a different way to get there. But the end result is uh, is pretty much the same. You're in space for six months on the space station. Wow. So we're trying to get the word out that you know we're still we're, we're still sending people to space. We're designing new spaceships. We're working with some of these commercial companies. You know, we want people to know that we're we're still doing stuff. And uh, people that are interested, you know, I, hey, I had the dream of being an astronaut when I was a little kid. You can still have that dream. Even you, Matt. Oh my God, you, you know? can do it, buddy. It's oh. not too late. So. Are you uh, what? So what are the what are the effects after you've been in? Have you been in the space station for six months? What are the effects to the body, like in terms of, or either you know bone density loss yeah. or, or or I mean just the effect of not <laughs> having any kind of grounded. Yeah, it's like being it's. So I've never done that experience. I've I've been on shuttle missions two weeks to the to the Hubble has been my my spaceflight career so far. But my, you know, a lot of my friends have gone and done the done station on shuttle, and also the the long duration six month stay that you're talking about. There, you've you've hit it right on the head, though. You're worried about muscle loss. You're worried about bone density loss. So they exercise every day, six days a week. It's a two hour period. That Me includes too. Your, I'm not even. Oh, I watched. See I that? watched. Uh, I watched the Hadfield videos. I watched all the. Uh, Did he show you all that? Did well, they like it? it wasn't Hadfield. Well, it was who took over for Hadfield. What was her name? Oh, Karen Nyberg. Yes, she yeah. she did a tour. 
Some, someone mm-hmm. did a tour and it was like, yeah. and it was it was hilarious because she was explaining like the how the bathrooms work. Yeah, yeah. Just, but in a very real way, like yeah, it's, no, yeah. It's tough and it's messy and it's it's a. It it's, could be. It, me- you got to be rough. careful. That's why you want to be careful when you're in space. Yeah, yeah, and then and then seeing the you know the treadmill yeah. and you know and uh, and and just a, a lot of the ways a lot of things yeah. that we take for granted just that you have to be very cognizant of when you're when yeah. you're up there because anything could become a projectile. Right. Now there's things that could be floating around and if you use your imagination not too much <laughs> you can say well that's something I really don't want to be floating around. You talked about getting sick with the with the uh, microwave beef. Yeah, sure. Can you imagine how you get sick from the other end of the microwave beef? Oh. So you want to be really careful. <laughs> Rough. You want to be really careful with that sort of thing. So yeah, the you know the the hygiene is really important, and keeping a clean ship is really important, and exercise is very important to keep you healthy. And that's the best way to counteract it is to, to exercise. And we have even though you can't lift weights in space, we have a resistive exercise device that allows it works on a series it's a of Bowflex, more or less, almost <laughs> kind of, but it's a really fancy one. And we have a treadmill and a bike to ride, and, and all that stuff is important to do. So many great things. Were designed by NASA. Like we just just seeing all those old, all the old advertisements. Yeah, you know, like like uh, Tempur-Pedic, like Tempur-Pedic, or space yeah. pens, or whatever. Designed by NASA. Yeah, for, you know that that's really where where the cutting edge of technology. There you go, was. Velcro. Velcro. <laughs> Velcro. Yeah. Velcro's yeah. great. Without Velcro, how would old people have shoes? They. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm getting close, Matt. Don't it's so hard don't to disc tie. a Velcro, buddy. A, you can do a lot with Velcro. Yeah. It's it, great. Velcro's great. And it, it and it really, you know, NASA, I think, to a whole generation of us, really does represent, you know, um, like hope and sort of cutting edge technology and and you know onward that yeah. kind of feeling and so do you feel like uh do you feel like nasa is still does it does it still mean that to this young generation or is it does, is the onus on you guys to really figure out a way to reach young people and get the message out well i you know i think uh, a couple things one is i think what you guys are doing and being kind of a science oriented uh uh program personality i think that you get a lot of that message out to the younger people but I, I, I tell you what, you know, I, I, the last couple of years I've had some interesting experience. I've been uh, on uh, assignment, more or less, uh, still with NASA, but I was at Rice University for a mm-hmm. few months. Yeah. And now I'm up in New York City at Columbia University oh, for wow. a little while, and like a visiting faculty member. Still a NASA person, but up there working for, for a temporary assignment. And these students, these are smart kids, young kids. They are just as excited about spaceflight as I was Good. back in the day. And I was kind of shocked because I had the same assumption. You know, hey, no one's walking on a moon. We don't have a space shuttle. These kids are going to forget about what's going on. But there is just as much, I think, just as much excitement with these young people today. I think it's the way we can share information. You know, we, they may not see people walking on the moon, but they see a lot on the Internet. They hear your program. They hear a lot of science, math, spaceflight Danica's books, right? Yes, Cooper's yes. books. You know, all that stuff has, has become kind of cool. The Big Bang Theory. You know, I got I got a chance to be on that show. Yeah. Launching into space. So I've never been on the space station, but in the Big Bang Theory, I was. You are on the space station. So I'm going to well, count that as a If fun. I had to pick one. <laughs> you would pick the Big Bang Theory? Oh, God, no. All right, okay. <laughs> he, would pick, he would pick the space station. <laughs> the space station. Yeah. But hey, I think there's a lot of excitement with uh, the young space people Space station's today. probably funnier, too. You know what anyway. I don't... Hey, <laughs> you know what I don't... Um, what I didn't know, and I feel like an idiot for not knowing this, but I feel like a lot of people didn't know this. It seemed like the reaction was kind of surprised. It was when... Um, the you know when the rover went uh, landed on Mars, mm-hmm. um, someone pointed out on Reddit like, oh, you know there was a there was a device on Venus in the seventies, and I had really? no idea. 
There was a device like that they basically, I think it maybe the Russians, someone landed a device on Venus okay. in the 70s, and it took these very sort of grainy. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah. yeah. We certainly have photos, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I, I had no, I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea. Yeah, we don't, it's, it's, it's interesting how the rover captured everyone's attention. You know, I think Bobak with his mohawk had something. The to mohawk do with it. had. A, the, I think that we could we could blame him for it or give him the credit, maybe. <laughs> but it's uh, but I, it's interesting because yeah, we have landed. Spa- there's been other rovers on Mars. Yeah. There's been you know exploration of the moon, the solar system, Voyager's way way out there. Voyager just broke. the... Just went out yeah, there. Just got out of the solar system. Yeah. So all that's happened, right? So I don't. I mean, I almost ask you guys. I mean, why why is that happening? I think it's because of all the. You know, maybe the social media or the you know the news gets out or what we're able to share. I I, I don't know because that it really captured people's imagine the, the, the Bobic's like a rock star and uh, yeah I think a the lot whole of Mars it, team well, got a, got a lot of press a lot of excitement well, how fast information was traveling not only how fast but also the um, the fidelity like the like the the, the quality of the information yeah. we're seeing like yeah. the, the pictures right. the definitely like the this is good the, the uh, fact that it was live streamed on Xbox I mean I watched it I watched it on Xbox I watched it on Xbox you know and and with Voyager I know Voyager's not sending images back anymore but it's but there's you know it's sending back. You know, I guess atmosphere, Beep. Yeah, not yeah, atmospheric, yes. but it's sending back da- data of, right. of, you know. Oh, we'll find out when it gets taken over and turns into its own intelligent V'ger. And then, uh, mm. and then transforms. Yeah, and uh, then takes that blonde, that bald girl off the bridge of the Enterprise. Is there any, <laughs> is it, are, I, you know, where, is it just sort of in a dead zone in between solar systems at the moment? Or what? what is in the dead space between... <sighs> You know, I, 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 it's still pretty close to our solar system, right? So I still think the sun is going to be its most, um, you know, the, the biggest object out there that's going to influence what it's doing with itself. Uh, if it kept going, eventually it might be captured by the gravity of something else. And I, it's a good question because I don't know what else could capture it out there and how long it would take for it to get to a spot where, you know, something else is going to start tugging on it. But basically it's this this ballet going on out there with, with solar systems and galaxies that make up the universe. And it, gravity is pulling on, on is like this balance, and gravity is wow. pulling in his energy, you know, this concept of dark energy pushing yeah. on things. So all that is going on. So I, you know, I, I, my, I guess my assumption would be that Voyager is still within the grasp of the sun as it's the largest object that is, uh, is going to hold it in place until it gets far enough away that something else is going to be tugging on it. And I don't know what that something is. And essentially is. it's just it's it's running on something about the as powerful as a car battery, right? I mean, it's like would, it's, that's it's probably a, about right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. so for the last 35 it's, years. It's amazing. You know, once you, and it shows once you get some speed, you know, as long as you can keep going uh, and you get out there, you can you can go a long way. But it may take you a long time. <laughs> it's yeah, been there, out there for there, a while. There's, there's no atmosphere to really degrade. No, there's, there's no, no drag. There's no exactly. drag. There's no yeah. There's no friction. There's no anything right. to really. It's just no one's going to stop vacuum. that thing. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just... going to keep even if it even if it dies so that its batteries run out. That thing's going to keep going until something else captures it. Wow, someone's yep. going to find it. It may be a dead spacecraft at some point if it runs out of out of juice. But it's going to nothing. It, that the oh, powers I, for a second there, I thought you were saying like maybe it'll run into another dead space. Oh, like, I don't oh know. Kabo- uh, no, I think it's going to. Who knows? But it'll I keep going. It I, I I almost get anxious thinking about. I've I know I've had just sort of weird dreams about just where that thing is and just the isolation of being at the edge of the solar system. Yeah. I, well, and then and I think that's why. I mean, I know to, I know you're you're involved with the, with gravity, the movie Gravity. But when I saw the, um, I moderated the panel for it at Comic Con in San Diego, and I yeah, went, they mentioned it. Like, oh, yes. They liked what you did. Oh, actually. they were great. Nice they were great. And so I saw the extent. You know, like they showed some footage from the movie. Yeah. And it's um, 
it's it's terrifying. Like just the idea. It's so. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It's edge of your seat bullshit. I can't take that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's a movie, man. I know. No, it's, it's real. <laughs> it's real. Um, but uh, when when did you you st- you grew up in New York? Yeah. And did you uh, did you immediately know like high school college like you know I'm gonna this is where I want to go or I, would you just think well I'm gonna be an engineer but maybe I'll be a pilot or. Well, when I was, I remember I was, I was six years old when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, right? So I can remember that, and that got my attention when I was a little kid. Uh, I've got a picture of me dressed up in a astronaut costume my mother made that summer for me because I wanted yeah. to play astronaut. <laughs> she actually converted like an elephant costume that I wore in the school play. I had no talent. You know, so <laughs> you wore that the first time you went up, right? Uh, well, you know, I would have, but it would, I seals outgrew it. strong enough. Yeah, okay, I okay. outgrew it, and it's made out of polyester. Oh. Polyester was the wonder material back then, yeah. but our spacesuits are made out of different materials Much now different. That's, to keep that's us safe. Good. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, but that's what I wanted to know. But no, I got. You mentioned high school. I didn't know what. The, I mean, I was a high school student. What did I know? Yeah. I knew I liked math and science better than I liked English. No offense to the English majors, but you know, I just that's I, 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 yeah. I was more interested. Oh, in, I was better you, in math. You like where there are answers. <laughs> I like the exactly. I was yeah. able to do that. You know, the English. Like, what do I do? So, uh, so I decided that I was going to, you know, study uh, engineering in, in in college when I looked at what I was. Gonna, but when I was a junior, when I was a senior in college, I saw the movie The Right Stuff. Yep. That came out, uh, and it's going to be 30 years, I think, that that movie's been released uh, coming up this year. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Really? Yeah. Right. So, I'm com- yeah, I'm coming up on my, yeah, believe it or not. Yeah. And that, that really caught my attention and kind of rekindled the dream. And I worked for a couple years in New York City. when I, I graduated Columbia University is where I went as an undergrad. And when I, uh, when I got out of there, I worked for a couple years, and then I went to grad school at MIT with the idea that, as you said, Maybe becoming an engineer. I think the astronaut thing is ridiculous to try to, you know, if you look at the odds, yeah. it's ridiculous. And most recently, we had, I think, like 6,800 applicants. We chose eight. Wow. Yeah, the most recent class. So it's it's very, uh, very difficult to, to actually get chosen. And we had better odds. They put 35 in, in my astronaut class. So it was wow. 35 Americans. So it was a more, greater chance to get selected back then. But, but I always knew that the chances were slim. And that I had to enjoy what I was doing. So the idea of being an engineer or someone working in the space program, that's what I wanted to do. I, if I couldn't go, I wanted to help other people go. But I always had, you know, the, I was still aiming high. I always had the dream of being an astronaut. You know, it, when I was a little boy, then it, it kind of left me and it came back when I was in college at Columbia. And then that's when I started to pursue it. Wow. The, the astronauts uh, are an interesting group because I always just sort of saw them as like, they're brain jocks. They're like they're sort of you know they're in good shape, and they're they seem kind of like uh, you know they seem sort of athletic and you know military, but also uh-huh. at the same time like they're also kind of scientists too. What was wow! Your, what was I won't your... say anything to that. I don't want to burst the bubble, <laughs> but that's a very nice description. Thank you. We'll go with that. <laughs> okay, good. What was, what was your PhD in? Mechanical engineering. See, I, you so just proved smart. my point. See that? You have a PhD in mechanical engineering. You're like, I went to grad school at MIT. I have a PhD in. Do you ever uh, introduce yourself to people as Doctor Astronaut? No, because then he start asking. <laughs> then he expects stuff. Really? Can you solve this equation? You know, first if you say doctor, they want a prescription. <laughs> I say, no, I'm a PhD. Well, I want an answer to this solution. I'm like, no, I don't know. So leave me alone. I try to keep it quiet. Uh. So how did that? Uh, you know, like where where is the balance between this sort of the the, the physical demands? And Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, obviously the 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 mental demands of the job too. Like, how do you find the balance between those two when you're in space and you're on a spacewalk and you have to rip a panel off to solve a, a, a problem? Chris, they're both they're really both very important. The better shape you can be in, the better chances of success you're going to have. For example, on a spacewalk, 
we have these uh, like athletic trainers. They call you know I yeah. call them gym teachers. We have yeah. these gym teachers, in our, <laughs> and one of them was you know was uh, Beth Shepard. Uh, before my first flight, she told me you know what you're going to do in a spacewalk is similar to someone who's going to run a marathon or play a, a an over. She said an overtime professional football game or something like that where you're going to be going long and you've got to be good at the end just as you are at the beginning. And she said that the she thought that most professional games that were decided in overtime, once you get past, you know, the regulation and you're in overtime, she said that most of those are based, she thought on two things. One was nutrition and the other one was fitness. And that's what's going to win those games at the end. Who has more stamina and who's eating well. So she says you got to eat well and you got to take care of yourself and you got to be in good shape. And I remember her saying that. And I think that that's pretty pretty accurate because once you get down to, if you're going overtime on your spacewalks, and we had some long spacewalks on Hubble, you know, you're really starting to reach there. So you want to be in its best shape you can, and you want to be eating well and, and trying to be healthy. And then the mental part of it is really important. You want to you want to be able to think about things that are going to help you. You know, it's not like uh, we're wizards and we can figure out all these different uh, problems, but you want to think, you know, what do I need to to solve this problem? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to work with my friends to solve this problem? What information is available to me to help me uh, do my job? So I remember hearing a story about uh, Neil Armstrong that – he could tell how fast he was going along the moon by timing the craters below him. Like he knew how kind of how fast he was going. He could ju- use that as an extra cue. So uh, not that I did that. That's pretty cool. But uh, but you know, I, but I would try to use whatever I could available to me and and work as a team. And the teamwork thing, I think, is you know a lot of people say, well, how the heck did you become an astronaut? You seem like a guy that should be working in a deli. You know, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing wrong with guys working in a deli, but you know, I think that would be a pretty cool career. You know, working in an Italian deli, dishing out cold cuts yeah, or whatever, you know, working and doing whatever. Yeah. And uh, but I, I think we got a know, nice like, prosciutto like, this week. Like if you went back and said, yeah, you go, right, go ask my friends that went to school. I'm like, how did you? Like, well, we don't know. Hey, Doctor Butcher. Yeah, Doctor Butcher. What do you got? What's that? What's that? And they say I'm a doctor. Well, what's that provolone made out of? I don't know. <laughs> Give me the equation for the provolone. But I think what people don't always appreciate is that uh, the teamwork aspect of it is really important. You might be, you know, they're not, we're not necessarily looking for the smartest people, uh, obviously. No, but I mean, you're looking for people that are bright enough, skilled enough to do the job. But it's also, I think, that that element of being able to work as a team and someone you'd want to hang out with, someone you want to work with, yeah, which uh, doesn't always doesn't always show itself when you when you you know looking for an astronaut. But when you're up there and and you're you're you know you're so you're, you're faced with well, like this panel, I'm going to have to rip it off, and I got to get in there. I mean, is it? Is there any part of you that says like I may not be able to do this, or do you? Are you are you one of those people that just says no matter what, I'm just, I'm going to figure this out one way or another? Um, when I, once they told me that solution, Chris, I knew I could do that. <laughs> it was when they were getting the complicated stuff that required a lot of thinking. Yeah. I wasn't so sure how we were going to figure it out. <laughs> but when it came down to let's see, it was they said it was sixty pounds of force that we're going to it was going to take. Some smart guys in the, at the Goddard Space Flight Center, our, our team, our engineers were there. It's kind of like the, I think it was like the scene out of Apollo thirteen. Yeah, they they turned, so you they, can't these, run a vacuum cleaner they, on ten amps, that's John. What these, these guys had a going into action. They had a they had a they, exactly. They had a uh, a copy of our instrument. They had all of our tools. It was a Sunday, and they replicated that problem. They came up with the idea to try to rip that that handrail off, and they measured sixty pounds of force. The smart thing they did is they didn't they didn't give the video of that. To Houston because I saw the video after, and when they pulled that handrail off, it goes flying into the air. Yeah. So they would have been pretty concerned if that thing would have you know, got me in the head. But we were really careful about how we, we pulled it off. And once I heard it was 60 pounds of force, I knew I had that. And I was very motivated to get that thing out of the way. <laughs> well, you were – how so, far into the walk were you? That was- it, was it was a few hours in. We had we, – you try to plan for about six and a half hours. 
and we were going to be right on the mark if everything went well. You can sometimes we extend it to about eight, mm. but we were eating up over an hour just working that problem. The other thing I thought of, Chris, when that was going on, and my and and Matt for my training, that people said, "What were you thinking of when you ripped that thing off?" I lived across the street from my uncle, my uncle Frank. And when I was about ten years old playing stoop ball, he comes over the house covered in, in oil, right? And he goes, "Where's your father?" And I go, "He's in the house." He goes in my house, all you know, dripping oil, and they come out of the house. My father has about a. a, a a three-foot-long screwdriver. He grew up on a farm, and he took the screwdriver with him to the suburbs, like a tractor screwdriver. And he goes to me, come with me. You might learn something. <laughs> I was 10 years old. He takes that screwdriver, because he knocks it through my uncle's oil filter, and he steps aside. My uncle grabs a rag and gets on that, on that three-foot uh, screwdriver and starts yanking and cursing. I can't say what he said. <laughs> but he starts yanking and cursing and breaks that thing for, through. And I swear to you, I was in space, and I was getting ready, and I grabbed that handle and go, this one's for you, Uncle Frank. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> All right? So you never know. So kids, when your dad says, come with me, you might learn something, don't keep playing stoop ball. <laughs> go across the street and see what's going on. You might, you never know when it's going to come in handy. Well, um, yeah, when Uncle Frank tells you, like, when Uncle Frank tells you, like, you got to come back to the car and I'll show you something. That's it's it. Like, you, it. It could be something really bad, yeah. but in this case... It was really, you, never you know, know, it could have been here's how to dispose of a body, yeah, here's, yeah, how you, yeah. here's how you launder money, you know, but whatever. Shh. What, what, what? Yeah. Well, you, you know, because you, you, I, think, I think one of the reasons why you, you feel very familiar to me because my mom's side of the family is Italian and my oh, grandfather, okay. my grandfather's family, my grandfather was one of 12 Italian, his parents were from Italy. All right. And so they were, you know, they were immigrants and they, yeah. uh, and he was one of 12 and they grew up in Jersey. And oh, so, there you go. So I have all this whole side yeah. of the family that kind of has that like, oh, and then Uncle Fra- and I actually, <laughs> you know, my I had an I had an Uncle Gene who was a mechanic. Like it yeah. just, you know, it's like that just feels like no. Come on, here's how you get you roll exactly. up your sleeves, and you get in there, and this is how you get shit done. Yeah, my Uncle Joe Joe LaPiccolo was he wanted he he thought he could. We had a problem on the space shuttle. On my first, on my first one, we had a cooling problem. He's like a, f- a refrigeration <laughs> air conditioning guy. Yeah, I swear to God, he's like, I was trying to get a hold of you. I could, I wish I could have told you. I didn't think I knew what the problem was, right, Uncle Joe? But uh, yeah, you know, yeah, everyone, you grow up in a family like that. Everyone's, everyone can go, contribute. I also had an Uncle Joe, and by the way, that's one thing that Italians do is when they're talking about people, they say their full name. And my Uncle Joey Pacetti, yeah. like they always, always yeah. say the full name. You know why? Because you got about fifteen You're of 15 them. Fifteen Uncle Joe. Because yeah, first yeah. names are like it's like a, you know it spreads. There's five of them. It spreads like a disease. You name one kid. <laughs> You know, and they just everyone's in line. Yeah. Like a hundred Sal's, and each yeah. family's different. <laughs> this is like you know, this is everyone here is you know Sal and Anna. This this is Peter and Mary. That's that, uh, and yes. everyone's named Pete or Petey. You know, they vary it a little bit. Don't even get me started so on the Anthony's. Anthony's, exactly. Anthony's, yeah, it's fifteen ways to say Giuseppe, or Joseph, or Pepino, and it's my old Joseph. My great grandfather was Giuseppe. My great grandmother was was Maria. There you go. So you get something. That's what it is. It that's just repeats so itself because they keep naming the kids the same stuff out of respect. <laughs> my grandmother was. Regina Pinocchio. Oh, really? <laughs> it's about as Italian. Pinocchio or Pinocchio? Pinocchio. Pinocchio. What was your uh, What was your question? You're about to. Oh, I was going to ask. Did you were both of your flights on Atlantis? No, my you first one was on Columbia. Yeah, yeah, good memory. Yeah, or mm-hmm. done your homework or something. Yeah, Columbia. We were the uh, the flight prior to losing mm. Columbia. Was uh, was my first flight, yeah. and then Atlantis was my second yeah. one. When so. to. to did I mean obviously the I mean I, I, there are probably no words to describe yeah. the the tragedy you know the, yeah. the second shuttle tragedy and then does any part of you say like 
we have to go up again as quickly as possible to let everyone know that it's okay? Or, or do, was was it sort of like, oh, were you nervous about it? Well, you know, it's it's interesting, Chris, because you know, if you uh, if if it didn't happen, I don't know how I would have reacted. So I can tell you how how, how it actually yeah. went down. First of all, it was, it was bad. It was like losing your best friends. All yeah. it was it was a nightmare. I mean, looking back at that time. I thought I was living, you know, I was like a lot of body living a, a nightmare. And one of the most, ch- I mean, I, I think one of the most chilling aspects to a shuttle disaster is mm-hmm. that the entire world is watching it happen at once. Yeah, everyone, well, everyone started watching. I don't know if everyone was, you know, their entry came in and, uh, you know, it started going bad. And then everyone, yeah, everyone noticed what, it, it gets a lot of attention. President of the United States was at the Johnson Space Center with us the day after. Uh, and it was lots of media press. The whole world, mm. uh, you know, immediately turned their attention to to what had happened. It's one of those big events that people remember where they were. You guys probably remember of where course. you were. I was happened, walking right? out of the church after we were burying my grandfather. There you go. And someone right. was like, so "There you go." It was Columbia a Saturday morning. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. So people, it's one of those types of. Yeah, you're right. It brings a lot of a lot of attention, which is really weird, you know, because it's like you kind of have this your our lives down there, and then all of a sudden it's like everyone's paying attention, and it's. Like, the world is paying attention, so yeah. that's weird. But as far as, like, you know, the reaction to it, I had flown one time in space, and I came back from that flight saying, I really want to go back again, and if I had an opportunity, I want to go back to Hubble. You know, I felt, you know, once was kind of like, ah, I was a rookie, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I really want to go back again, I want to enjoy it, there's certain things I want to appreciate, and I only felt like it wasn't enough, you know. I don't know if you ever say it's enough, but I certainly felt like one was not enough, I wanted to go again. And it's not like that. It, it in a strange way it didn't add any new information. You know, we knew that this could happen, and we hadn't had an accident for a while. Yeah, Challenger, and, uh, right? Challenger was in 1986. This one happened in 2003, 17 years later, right? This was almost at the day actually was when that second accident, that next accident wow. happened. And and you kind of knew that you know something's out there lurking. We thought on my first flight, we you know, not that we we you know, dwelled on it, but when we. We got to when we first started talking about our spacewalks. I was a rookie, and the other guys who I spacewalked with, there was four spacewalkers on that flight. We're all veterans; they had a lot of experience. And we we talked about amongst ourselves our first little meeting getting together is that you know we lost the crew on on launch on ascent. You know, most likely we thought that the next time you're going to lose somebody would be during a spacewalk because there's lots of things can go on in a spacewalk. And we're going to make sure that we take care of each other. We don't make any mistakes. We're going to cover each other. We don't want to come home. And that we really made sure that we knew our equipment well, the procedures well. We thought of every emergency we could do, we want to be prepared. We weren't really thinking. We thought entry was going to be okay. And then we found out in Columbia, entry was bad as well. I mean, we knew it, it could happen. But I guess what I'm saying is you always know that danger is out there. And the strangest thing was is that it really didn't change my desire to go. And after like a couple of months, I spoke to my wife about it. And I said, you know, how do you? And we knew all those people. I mean, we were in their homes that night you know, at the day of the accident. My kids knew their kids. Our wives were friends. You know, these were, this was like we lost family members, right? And I remember talking to my wife about this a couple months after, and I go, how do you feel about me flying again? And she's like, you've only gone once. Don't you want to go again? And I was like, yeah. You know, and, and it was, that was the thing to do. So it really didn't add. We knew it's there. It's still there. You know, I hate to tell, say this, but we're probably going to lose somebody else eventually if we keep going. But, you know, you got you to gotta keep going, right? You can't, you can't stop. And what do you think is the ultimate, like, what is it that keeps pulling us in, to space, uh, I, I just think it's where we belong. I think it's our destiny. I, I think you know, that—that's for me. It was a dream to to do it, and uh, you know, a dream is worth risk. I think you know you need to be passionate about what you're doing, and if it involves some risk, uh, let's you know let, well, that—that's what it is. Let's try to minimize, but let's go on. But I just think it's where it's where we're going to be. It's where you know, we're we're adventurous. 
We're curious. I think it's it's our next step. You know, if you look at our evolution of where we're headed, it's the next thing out there is is you know what's going on in, uh, out in our universe. Do you I think, think we're, it's colonizing? Like ultimately, co- like in, I do. You know, I believe thousands of years colonizing think, and leapfrogging. I think across? it's I think it's just leaving the planet and finding out what else is out there. We can send spacecraft beyond our solar system now, right? You know, we've got Voyager out there, but I think we're also going to want to send people. We're going to want to experience it. I think we can we can try to justify that and say, well, you know, luckily we had me to rip off that handrail, right? Yeah. A robot couldn't have done that. If you had no, you know, that you know, it wouldn't have been. You couldn't improvise. So there are some practical reasons to have people there, but I think it's also about experiencing it firsthand and having people on the scene and, and trying to trying to live off the planet. I think it's it's ultimately about about leaving the planet, and I think we have options, and I think we're going to pick one and do it. Either it's going to be the moon or Mars or. Somewhere else, I, you know, the moon, moon is the easiest one, or like, or like, like a, like a, like Europa or something. Or that's pretty far away. See, yeah, the issue we have now is getting places. Far. But yeah, but, but I mean, in th- when you look at the technology well, like, of thousands, you know, well, like, yeah, in the future, yes. If you turn on many years, Chris, yeah, it's in like our leap, lifetime, leapfrogging yeah. across. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm selfish. I want to see it happen in my lifetime, yeah. which is starting. You know, it's starting to run out here. Again. They want to drop this probe on Europa that will drill through the ice and then go underwater and look for life, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's incredible. I hope we so. get to. I hope we get to see that. Is it is it is it, a, is it sort of an explorer's gene that you have, or it's is it space specific? In other words, if someone said, "Well, you can't go to space, but you can," you know, we'll we'll let you explore. You know, what's on the ocean floor, yeah. which a, a lot of things we don't know are down right. there. Does that does that fascinate you at all, or is it really just being not, above? Not, honestly, not for me. I think it's really cool stuff. You know, going underwater. For me, I, I think the the things that really motivated me were. You know, I wanted to experience what it was like to, to be a part of the space program to, and to get a chance firsthand to see what it's like to get that experience and to contribute in that way. And the other thing that, uh, that I wanted to do was to be an astronaut, to be part of that organization. When I, when I first got out of grad school, I took a job at the Johnson Space Center working for a contractor down there. And uh, I got a chance to work with some of the astronauts. And this was the group I wanted to be a part of. Uh, a team that works together really well as a as a you know a close knit camaraderie with a goal in mind, just being a part of the office, mm-hmm. going to work because you know you spend a very little time. I've been an astronaut for seventeen years. I spent about a month in space. Okay, <laughs> I've spent about a good deal of that training on my flights and a lot of generic training, but that's been done basically on the ground. I'm not counting airplanes flying around. That's still on the ground. They're in spacesuits. You're still on the ground. So most of your time is on the planet. And uh, and so a lot of your job is supporting your friends and that camaraderie and those friendships and being part of that organization, yep. being on the front line of getting your friends ready. You know, I've been in the control room as a Capcom, helping out with planning spacewalks, uh, assisting crews, uh, letting them, helping them to get ready. You know, I wanted to be a part of that thing. I didn't just want to go once, and that was the end of it. To me, I wanted the whole package. I wanted to be part of that organization. Wow. So that was my motivation. And I don't think I mean and the undersea stuff is really cool. But you know, I'm I'm a space guy. Did it change you in any way, in any noticeable way? Did it change you, like when you got back? Did you have a different perspective on things, or did you? I don't know. Did did you notice anything about your personality that it that it's slightly altered? Uh, <laughs> I think um, uh, you know you notice some things. Like you come back and you're like. The first thing you get to the driveway, and I looked up on the roof, and I was like, "When did those shingles come loose?" You know? so I was like, "What happened?" It was like it's like an awakening again. Like, man, I'd rather be back in space. It's a but I think not dealing as, with Earth stuff. You no, know, I think as far as as far as the change, um, I, I would say for me, and um, it, it changed the way I look at the Earth in, in some way, the way I perceive the Earth, and it happened to me 
on my on my first spacewalk, uh, the other rookie on a flight was my my buddy Dwayne Carey, an Air Force pilot, and he wasn't going to get the spacewalk. And we were classmates; we were in the same astronaut group when we were selected, so we were classmates. Still, one of my best friends. And uh, we, his nickname was Digger, and he said, "Mass, when you go out there, I'm not going to get a chance to go out there." He goes, "I want you as soon as you come in, I want you to tell me exactly what it's like out there spacewalking, and I don't want any BS. I want you to tell me exactly. I don't want to hear any like stuff for the reporters. I want to know exactly what it's like." So I go out and do my spacewalk, and I come in. Sure enough, he comes in the airlock, and he's right in my mug. He's waiting for the signal to, to, to get my helmet off, you know. And you know, now it's time for the helmet, and the, you know, the, the, lack, the, the lock comes out. The helmet's off my head, and he's right in my, right in my face, floating in front of me. He goes, what was He didn't want to take any chances. I, I need to go to the bathroom, nothing. I couldn't do anything. No sandwich. You know, he wanted to know, and he's like, Mass, what was it like? And I looked at him, and I said, Digger, the Earth is a planet, right? <laughs> and he looks at me, and he goes, he looked at me with it like, what were you smoking in that spacesuit? Right. Know, what the heck kind of answer that? And I said, man, it's a planet. It's not what we, we thought it was. Like, I have this, my relationship with the Earth has been, you know, like driving around in a car, maybe going on an airplane ride is like the safe cocoon that we're in. We might go to a ball game. I come here, get to talk to you guys. We think like we're kind of safe and we're at home. It ain't that at all. And it struck me on that first spacewalk, thinking about how I was going to describe it to my buddy, is I could see the Earth off to the right side when I really looked at it, right, at, on this one particular pass. But I could look in the right time of the orbit. I could see the moon or I could see the stars and the sun is out there. And I could turn back and I could see our little old Earth. Not but it's big. Still my, you know, we're still closer. So I could see Earth little in comparison to everything else out there. And I realized, man, it is a planet. It's not <laughs> this safe haven. It's out there with all this chaos, man. There's all this crap out here. You know, the, the it's just stars, one of those things. We're just one of those things, man. Yeah, yeah. We're we're space travelers. We're not in this safe <laughs> cocoon. We're on the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, but we are all space travelers. And, I, and that's the way I vision the Earth now in some ways. It's not this, you know, safe place that we take our kids to soccer practice. It is that for us, but we really are on a spaceship Earth. And that's kind of the way I look at it. That's a fact. You know, and, and hearing – it's so funny about perspective because you you experience that – Literally, so for you to say like, "Oh man, the Earth is a planet, man!" Holy crap! But then you know, you imagine yeah. someone just like went to a fish concert and they're like, "Bro, the Earth is a planet!" Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, Shut yeah. up! But when you say it. it's like, "Oh my God, it makes so much sense!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense. And we know it's a planet. We learned it in school, you know. And uh, but you know, We're to see it, travel. It's intellectual me. knowledge. It's not. Right. Ex- it's not like experiential knowledge. Exactly. Like, this is different to to know like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but I mean, like you don't know. You can't describe like if someone had never if someone's never had tuna fish before you can be yeah. like well it's like <laughs> yeah you know it's right. like have this you thing. ever yeah, eaten yeah, yeah, metal yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is it is that's what I was saying earlier about like when you're describing that you know you're getting these images that are real images from an experience that you had and it's you know like I'm kind of weirdly jealous because I you know most of us. We'll just most of it will never have an experience like that. We'll never. It's it just that that real. And obviously, you know, some people who are big nature people must understand, like, oh, we're part of a bigger thing. But mm-hmm. but to really experience it from that from that vantage point is um, well, it's pretty you, remarkable. It's, 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 Epcot, it's a privilege. You can ride spaceship. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing, Matt. It's exactly the yeah. same thing. Well, you can get you can get to the movies, you know, with uh, you know, we, the, the IMAX Hubble movie was a good one, and, yeah. and now this Gravity movie. 
yeah. with the technology it has. It looks it, it's it's as close as you can get. But yeah, to actually really experience it and see it is a, is quite a. That's privilege. why I find it. So those Apollo astronauts, those guys would just I know stand guys. on the surface yeah, of another celestial body and yeah. look and see the Earth, but to see it this big. Yeah, they could blot it out with you know, yeah. So the station thumb. is at two hundred and fifty miles. The Hubble's at three hundred fifty miles. Moon is two hundred and fifty thousand miles away. That's a much different perspective. Just, I mean, I can't. When you start talking astronomical figures, yeah, it really does sort of like whenever you hear, oh, oh, you know, like they discovered another planet that's orbiting another star that's very similar. You know, it's very similar to Earth. Uh, although, uh, you know, millions of Earths could fit inside this. <laughs> yeah, but like, right, when yeah. they start talking yeah, yeah. about, or even just the size of Jupiter. Yeah, like, Jupiter. Oh, like, how many Earths? There's a bunch of Earths that can fit inside of the spot. Yeah, exactly. Like Thirteen yeah. Earths, thirty Earths inside in this spot. spot. Yeah, in this spot, you can fit like I don't know. I Which forget is, what it is. It's basically like Earths the nostril of Jupiter. Like, yeah, yeah. You can fit, you know, yeah, exactly. a, a ton of Earths. Right, right. That's right. so. Like when you start thinking in yeah, those terms, it's just, you can't even. Yeah. Your brain is just like does not compute. Like I just get the little pinwheel and spinning in front yeah, of my face. Yeah. Like I can't. I yeah, can't we even... really. It's beyond what we can. We I can't. Can comprehend. For two hundred fifty thousand miles. A long way away from home. That's just to the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's just around the corner. That's yeah. in the neighborhood. How far is Mars? Ninety. Wait, it's uh, no, the sun is ninety million miles away. Uh, I don't know. It takes nineteen minutes for a signal to get there at light speed. So what is that? Let's Somebody figure, figure, that figure it out. Figure that out. How far is Mars, Katie? I'm glad we got somebody here. Google Foo. The internet's like, I don't know. It's just debatable. No. Well, well it kind of depends on orbit. I guess yeah. it depends on the orbit. Our depends on where we are position. and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you, and time-wise, it's about, it, 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 you figure about a six-month journey. Thir- about 33.9 million miles. There you go. 33.9 yeah. million. A third of the way to the sun. I mean, it is, you know. Nice. <laughs> it, 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 it does... You know, how could anyone doubt science or math when they figured out how to aim an SUV <laughs> at Mars and just the planning it would take yeah. and the precision to hit the exact spot on a planet right. where they have to calculate for orbits and they have to calculate for the, the you know, the, yep. the arc of the cruise of the device. I mean, like, oh, it, yeah. it just, all of it, how could anyone be like, eh, I don't know about science? <laughs> like, it just, it, if science can do that, yep. just... And you're great on, like I said before, you're great on Star Talk. And I think, I think you know, science and you know, I think NASA is very lucky to have you. But science is lucky to have guys like you and Bill Nye and Neil Tyson, yeah. Yeah. who who can communicate um, these concepts in a way that's very uh, intelligent without talking down to people, and very human and compelling and 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 exciting and fun. And you know, like it's. It's a whole different skill set to have than just uh, I am a because there are some yeah. some scientists, a lot of engineers, they don't they don't know how to communicate to non engineers. Yeah. They're like, oh, why don't you just understand that it's this 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 and this? Yeah. And then you're well, like, it's obvious. Well, yeah. it's not obvious to yeah, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so it is. I think it is. It is an asset. I think I think NASA is pretty smart to have you. You know, like making the rounds and talking to people because it's. Uh, it is. You like you just seem like, oh, I can hang out with this guy. <laughs> we'll go see Uncle Frankie. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on cars. Yeah, there you go. We'll talk about mechanical engineering. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. Do you have a, Do you have a big family? Uh, well, I have uh, I have a couple kids. I've got a bunch of aunts and uncles. A bunch and cousins of aunts and uncles. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got we a pretty big family. Man, the Italians they just did not. You well, know, my, my... they're Catholic, and you know, condoms are evil. Well, it's not it's not just that, but but the idea that anyone would say like. I could probably have twelve kids. Like you know, no, you can't. They, they too just, many. They just don't okay. stop. You know, like my 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 great grandparents were. I mean, I think 
Well, I mean, my, my great grandmother was a teenager when they married him. I think it was like, you yeah. know, she was like 15, and my uncle, Ooh. my great grandfather was like 19 or 20 or whatever. And they just. How they many did they have? 12. There was no wow. there was no adolescence in the you know well, the turn of the 20th yeah. century. There was, was no just Netflix. Like, that there was, was no the Netflix. Yeah. They couldn't sit down and watch. They emigrated, they season. got here and it's like let's get married, let's get down to business and they just started they were married for 72 years. Whoa. Wow. But there's and there's a lot yeah, having kids uh you know, is, is a is a great thing, but that's a lot of kids. You know, <laughs> a lot. that's a lot of kids. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did they work on a farm? My my father came from a big family. They, I think they were looking for farm hands, though. I don't think they worked on a farm. I think yeah. they just lived in a city. I yeah. can't milk all these cows. Let's yeah, make yeah. a kid. Hey, we need some kids. Let's I get mean, another kid to go clean up the barn. I it's mean, a very cheap labor yeah. pool. You know, you have to understand. By the time you're forty, you've been pregnant most of your life. It's, it's yeah. Most of your life, there's been a baby in I'm you. One, I want to know firsthand, but I don't think, from what I've observed, that's not easy duty. That is not an no. easy thing to do. No. That's well, remarkable, man. actually. Well, Way to go, Facenis. They, they took the American pronunciation. They, oh, it yeah. should be Facente. But, they, but they're the Facenis, you know. It's like they did that. They're going to they're gonna screw up your name anyway. So yeah, that's where yeah. you go with nicknames. That's they went the mass. opposite of Guy Fieri. Yeah, exactly. Whose last name is Ferry. Is it really? F-E-R-R-Y. Are you serious? Make it sound more You're kidding. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. I'm serious. Yeah. (laughs) That's not. I know. Okay. That's that's un American. That's right. (laughs) That's right, Guy Ferry. Un American. (laughs) That's bullshit. Matthew Mira. What? Uh, it's Myra, Come you on. motherfucker. I it dare is Myra. you. So what's next for you, Mike Massimino? What are you what are you off to do? What are you going to do? Well, I uh, I'm gonna head back to uh to New York after talking to you guys and uh I'm uh I'm on the uh, visiting faculty member at Columbia University mm-hmm. this year. Yep. So um so that's pretty cool. I'm getting a chance to teach a space course and we're doing some looking for some cooperative research between Columbia and some of the schools in the New York area and NASA and doing some outreach projects there as well. So um so yeah, that's what that's what I'll be doing for. Do you take the, the subway? Next few months, <clears throat> I take anywhere I can get around to New York, man. Talk about navigation. It is celestial <laughs> navigation when you're going around the stars. But holy cow, the, based on the time of day and what's going on, is uh, you have to pick the right way to get around there. So <laughs> can you, uh, yeah, subway. Uh, take the F train to the ISS. Whatever. I just, yeah, I don't know. You I can't just, get. You can't go up. That's why <laughs> elevators only go so high. I just love but getting the around idea Manhattan, man. Of an astronaut on a subway. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the way to travel. You know, it's the way to go. It, it's a uh, it's a good way to go. But there's other methods too. Yeah. But that's a big a big deal. Just like it's a big deal here in L.A. getting around. Yeah, sure. Not, yeah. So you got to put some thought and effort into it. In Houston, it's pretty easy getting around town, getting a car and go. There but are some. Uh, there are, there are some. Tough. There are some subway stops though where you kind of where I almost imagine you do need to suit up like you're going out into a hostile environment. I better suit try- up. Put on the put on the suit. Put on are, the you know, you just got to be knowledgeable of where and when you are. Yeah, but, yeah. But New York City, it's you know, when I was growing up in New York, uh, it's it's a lot different. It's a clean place. It's it's much safer than it was when, yeah, no, uh, I, when I was a kid. It's really turned, I think, I don't, for the better. I don't, it's a I don't have place. any reservations about walking yeah. around New York oh, no. at like 2 o'clock in the morning. There's just, it's just, it's, it's just, it, it, people look out for each other, too, Los I Angeles, feel like. though? No. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an L.A. guy, really. You, you don't know, walk around like visiting late at night here. here. Oh, you okay. just don't walk around late I at night always, here. I uh, always usually will walk at least from the Natural History Museum down to, like, Soho. Whenever I'm there, I do that whole, I just walk fucking blocks nice. and blocks and blocks. Yeah, that's it. great. You can bike around. I've been riding my bike around town, too. It's You bike around bike. Manhattan? Well, not on the streets. I'm not that oh, crazy. Okay, okay, okay. I go fly in space, but I'm not riding my bike <laughs> yeah. down Fifth Avenue. I, I, no, I, no. 
Because they might, there may even be a bike path there, but really what that symbol of a bike guy is a passing lane for the taxi. Yes. yes. That really does not mean bike lane. That means passing lane for taxis. By the way, and it doesn't matter Stay if you're in that lane or not. It's still gonna I ain't going to be a passing there. lane for the But they have the some really nice bike bike trails around there in the parks that are really extraordinary. The, the, it's, a, it's a really a wonderful place. I'm very it lucky to be there for a little while. I love so you're on, uh, where, where can people reach out to you online? Okay, so the Twitter thing is probably good, right? Yep. I'm, I'm uh, Astro underscore Mike. Okay. And that's uh, that, that's my my Twitter handle, and uh, that's where you can find me. Great, that's where I found right. him. That's, that's where you, you found well, him. Yeah. I was the first dude to tweet from space. What? Yeah, I was the first guy to tweet from space. Take that, Hatfield. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Hatfield. <laughs> yeah, he's the first guy to have a, a, a full orchestra in space. First guy to make a music video in space. Yes, <laughs> I think. I. Who knows? People might have made him, but not at that level. Yeah. When he came back, I saw him like two days after he came back. I said, hey, man, you, how did you – he had a lot of help. Yeah. So he had like some – he's from Canada. He had some like Canadian orchestra or something involved and editors on the ground, and it was a big operation, but he had a lot of help. But he it was <laughs> a incredible, lot of man. My, my, son, my, my son picked it up uh, right away. He, like, he said, hey, Dad, you got to see this. This is really cool. So my, for my son to say something was cool that had to do with space, I knew it had to be something really cool. <laughs> what, was your, was what, was your, what was your tweet from space? What was your first, my tweet? first Okay, my first tweet from space was, uh, uh, launch was awesome. I'm feeling great. The adventure of a lifetime has begun. Something like that. But the best part about that is that they made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. So my kids really could, didn't. My son was upset about the launch because it was conflicting with the eighth grade dance at the time. Oh, that's all right. So it was like, oh, I got the good, good. So it's like, go to your dance. Don't worry about the launch. So he went to the eighth grade dance, and then we we shuffled them like immediately as soon as we get him to the, to the launch, so he could see the launch. But he was more concerned about the eighth grade dance. He had his priorities right. So kids really just like, ah, uh, when they were real little, they wanted a puppy. They had to wait till after the launch, so they were looking forward to the launch. So they could get a puppy. <laughs> they have to bribe these kids, so they were like, "Oh, dad, you know, dad's flying in space." Blah 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 blah. But we're who gonna cares? get a dog, right? Who cares? Right? Who cares? <laughs> so they, the thing that got him excited during my flight was not the first tweet, but that they made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. And even though they mispronounced my name, they called me Mike Massimone. They said I was at the International Space Station. Who cares? I was, I was, you know, at Hubble. But, but they, and they said, you know, they said something like. Uh, you know, the first tweet from space, launch was awesome. You know, and they made fun of it, said something like, you know, if this guy ever, if we ever find life on other planets and we send this guy, this is what we'll have. And they typed out, uh, geez, dudes, look, aliens. <laughs> but just the, even though they mispronounced my name and they made, the kids went nuts because we you know, it was referred to on Sunday. This is good. This is very human. I, listen, yeah. I'm just glad. I'm just. I think it would have been funny if your first tweet was still like a picture of food, wherever you're like yeah, yeah. ham and eggs, and there's a picture of tube tubes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wasn't that creative. I just you know got on the computer and and, oh, and awesome. came up with that. That's well, all I could do. Astro underscore Mike. People should tweet out to you, uh, Mike Massimino. Such a nice guy. Oh, man. Yeah, people are going to want to hang out with you. You can also watch, I think, on Netflix right now. I think the Fixing the Hubble is on the National Geographic special. I think it's still oh, on okay, Netflix. Oh, okay, cool. Right yeah, yeah. And uh, Nova Science Now, when they talk about going to Mars, he checks out new future spacesuits, which don't look that great. Well, anyway, they, you did well, a good job. You did thank a good you, report. Thank you. Appreciate it. Why don't, they, why don't the spacesuits look there? A little too weird looking. Oh, you're worried about the aesthetic. I'm worried about the aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Not the technology yeah. of whether no, or the not they were the people. The technology is viable. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it'll make you much more flexible and able to do more stuff in space. But they look weird. <laughs> okay, you, you're just you're being a traditionalist now. You think all spacesuits well, should look like? I mean, either you wear a button-up red tunic, <laughs> <laughs> or a oh, real spacesuit. You know what I realized we have here that we we I, I, someone sent this to us. I wish I knew. Let's see if it says. Oh, let's see if I let's see if I know who made these. Um, oh, okay. 
Uh, visiting a friend in LA. A- at page at pages BS P A G E S B S made a series of astronaut patches. Yeah, you for our you podcast. Oh you wow, you, you've completed. That's awesome. You've man. completed uh, Nerdist training, and so uh, I get a patch. Here is your patch. Oh, uh, cool. Here's a mission patch. It's awesome. Yeah. It's got the Velcro on it. I can put it on my real space. Suit. I think I think Pages BS is going to flip flip out that uh, that an astronaut actually has one of these. Uh, I'm kind this of is cool. You know, because I, when I did the thing on the Big Bang Theory, uh, it was like a it was a it was a TV show. It wasn't a real space launch, but yeah. I said there's three things you need for a, a, a real space mission. One is a patch. So we need to get, and they got a patch together for us. Mm-hmm. They designed the patch with our names on it. So I said, need a patch. Second thing we need is a crew photo. So we took an official crew photo with the American flag. We had the Russian flag in the background. I think it's in Wallowitz's uh, hallway or something. You can see it if you watch the show. And the third thing is a space mission. Now, we didn't get a real space mission. We've got two out of three. You got two yeah. out of three. So you guys are on your way. Yep, we got one. <laughs> we got a patch. We got to come up with a mission. You need a crew photo. And a crew and photo. If you can get a mission, great. But if not, you'll get two out of three. Well, we'll take a crew photo at the end. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. That's how we end the podcast. We say enjoy your burrito. Enjoy it. In space. Enjoy your burrito. I think you should say it, actually. You have a much you want better. Me to say it? Yeah. What is it? It's an... en- enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your burrito. Yeah. It's nice. Nice. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts